0: Got a brilliant word to bring for us. We've been looking forward to hearing from him for a while. So, old Diane, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Diane. Good morning. morning. It's great to see so many of you here. Um, Thank you for coming. Um, I, I don't know about you, but our weeks can be quite busy, can't they? They can have quite a lot on. And so, Giving up a couple of hours, more so if you're serving probably, week in, week out, is an investment, isn't it, of your time. And um, I just want to say thank you for being part of us, being here, um, giving into this thing, this life that we have together. Uh, I, it's funny, isn't it? I, I don't know too much about... Um, Well, actually, I know quite a lot about other churches, but I kind of feel like when we come together, it's a reminder that we are part of something. Like, this isn't just a polite meeting where you just sit on a seat and just, you know, sing a few songs and then hear a nice word and then, you know, shake a few hands, have a few hugs, and then walk out again. This is, we are all in. It's like we've strapped ourselves into the theme park ride that is this life in Jesus. And we're in this car together. And uh, it's, it can be a wild ride sometimes. <laughs> yes? And uh, that's, that's, I think that's the point. It's supposed to be actually we're trusting Jesus. And we know that he's good. Don't we? He's the architect of this whole thing, and so he's good, and we can trust him. And um, so I I just really wanted to say, look, thank you for being part of us, for coming. Um, It's funny, we uh, we weren't here actually last Sunday morning, and it's the first Sunday we've missed for like ages. And it's weird. It's weird when you miss a Sunday, isn't it? And um, I don't know why I looked at you, Debbie, at that point. (laughs) There was no condemnation, I promise. And uh, yeah, but I mean, it's healthy to take a Sunday out, you know, every now and again. It's healthy to have a holiday and, you know, family celebration, whatever. I'm not saying it isn't. Please don't hear that. But, um, but I so love it being together and getting to hear from God together because we hear from God individually, but actually there's something else that happens when we get together. Um, and it, it, there's something as the dynamic is you couldn't experience that on your own. That's the point of fellowship, it's the point of us being in this thing together is uh, things happen, contributions come. You will have thoughts in your mind. You'll have been fed this morning because of what, the way God has used other people in this room and his word and the songs, as, um, as Emeka was just saying, to remind us, to put strength into us, to build us up. And because we're linked together, it means that this house is getting bigger and stronger as we do it. Yeah? This is good. Okay, so, um, and it was a privilege to break bread this morning. We, um, we love to break bread together. It's, it, again, it fortifies us, doesn't it? It reminds us who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what we share together, and actually what's to come, which we, we communicate really well, actually. We're going we're to have this together, face to face, with Jesus one day, but not this day. So today we do it by the Spirit, amen? So, um, okay, we are 10 months in to being the river. Ten months into being the River, we—for those of you who don't know, if you're new here—we um, relaunched. We popped out of the chrysalis that was Oasis Church to become the River um, ten months ago. We felt God speak to us about birthing a new church, a new expression of what it is to be family, of what it is to carry the kingdom, uh, and um, and so uh, we are ten months into that journey, and uh, it was—it's been a full ten months. Um, and what we want to do in September is we want to take a moment just to kind of figure out a way to gather us together to have a kind of a family gathering by the river. Maybe not literally, although the picnics are going to be literal because we'll go to Admiral's Park and there is physical literal river down there. Um, But we we want to have that moment of us being family and reflecting, okay, what's God done in this last year? What are we celebrating? What are we giving thanks for? Um, But also, okay, what's God calling us to? And it's important that we do that. And then we can, there's a a togetherness in that. There's a shared ownership of, okay, this is next. God wants to strengthen these things in us for the next bit of of this journey. So um, we're going to do that. And we'll give you more details about that nearer the time. Um, Wonderful. You know, the health of this river is determined by us, by you. By you, by me, taking personal responsibility for our relationship with Jesus. Yeah? And uh, I want you to imagine for a minute that your inner life, your life with God, is like a car. Can you do that? British Grand Prix today? Yeah, Yeah, baby. And um, so imagine you've got a dashboard in front of you with some... Some gauges on it. Okay? There's three gauges on your dashboard right now. This is about you and the Lord. Your relationship with him. Gauge number one, trust. Gauge number two, communication. Gauge number three, intimacy. Got that? Simple. Trust, communication, intimacy. And when we close our eyes, we can think, actually, where are those gauges at right now for me? Forget the fact that it's Sunday morning and we're in church, where you might feel like, my gauges are all maxed out. But what about generally? Where are your gauges settling? I know that that's maybe a challenging question, but just take a minute. Maybe you don't trust in Jesus for your life so much. Maybe that's a challenge for you. Maybe there's things that are worrying you, that overwhelm you. Um, What does it look like for us to actively trust him for things in our lives? What about talking to him? Do you talk to him? Do you relate to him? What's the pattern? How do you do that? What does that look like for you? Do you listen? Because he wants to talk back. I said the gauge is communication, not just prayer where you're praying to him. I'm saying this is communication that's two-way. So where's the gauge at? Because he wants to share deep things with you of who he is and of who you are. And what about our intimate life with him? Our life of worship, our life of pouring it out, of breaking that jar of perfume, of saying I'm going to give you all the glory, I'm not going to try and take some for myself. How are we doing? This room's gone quiet. You know, this is all about intimacy with him. It's about relating with him. It's about leaning back into him you know I was just giving thanks a moment ago when we were breaking bread that he's the saviour he's really good at seeking and saving the lost I don't need to have a saviour complex because I have a Jesus and therefore my trust my leaning back into him is saying Jesus I trust you for other people I trust you for them. Do you see? It's, um, it's, it is a, an intimate thing. Psalm 91 says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Does rest appear in your life? Do you live from rest? If we're not, and this is a cha- I, I'm challenged by this myself. Please don't ever think when I preach, I'm preaching to you. I'm absolutely sitting in a seat with you right now, okay? Um, but it provokes me. Do I, if, if I'm not living from rest, then actually, am I dwelling with him? It's really simple. It's not rocket science. Like, it's a yes or no thing, actually. <laughs> the more I dwell with him, there seems to be a relationship between the more I dwell with him And the more I look at those three gauges and consider them, actually, the more I'll live from rest. Good stuff, eh? Okay. So, um, some months back now, I did a few talks on money. Do you remember that? And I mentioned the whole thing of some enemies, some giants in the land remember Joshua and Caleb going out and they spy some giants in the land? And I wanted to suggest, I did suggest back then, that there were maybe three giants that seem to come along in our society, in our culture, to try to trip us up, to try to redefine our identity, and uh, those giants are money, sex, and power. Now you're getting nervous. Go ahead. Uh oh! If he sticks to that order, and he's done money, what might this mean? Some of you are like cool talking about sex in church. <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right. I want just just first start off with the money thing first of all. It's a few months on. How are you doing? How are we doing at trusting God for our finances? How are we doing? How, imagine the, the, the gauges, the three gauges. How are we doing at trusting him? Not talking to him about it when we get panicky. Or actually because we've got more than we thought we had. And actually, God, what do you want me to do with that? That's a good way to think about it, isn't it? How do you want me to use this next? Um, okay, so... Uh, and I talked about the whole thing of um, actually we get to take this giant down the whole point is giant slaying it's not just getting tripped up by a giant is it David took the head off when he took the giant down and so actually what does that look like for us to take the head off what does it look like for and one of the ways we do that is with money was generosity and thankfulness that's two ways there are two ways we get to do that. and You can listen back to those messages. They're on our website, and uh, you can hear about that. So this morning, we're going to move this on and think a little bit about sex and sexuality. So uh, I'm going to try and talk about this stuff without making many double entendres, Um, um, uh, because I know people tend to snigger about some of these things, including me. Um, So uh, we will see how we go. Um, I've had the privilege of growing up in church, I've been in and around church for a very long time, um, since I was three or four years old, and so I've had loads of really good input over the years. Um, But what's really interesting is that God, by his spirit, wants to open things up more, I've noticed. So there's like a layer that gets laid, a foundation that gets laid, but actually what he wants to do is build on it, and actually sometimes what he wants to do is even just back us up a little bit and check that bit that we thought we were building on. Because it can be that actually what we've received, what we've learned, was um, specific to the revelation of the people that were bringing it at the time. And we're not perfect. I don't see in full, do I? I, I? I see in part. And so it's important that if we're led by the Spirit... Because although we have leaders, we have teachers and, and whatever, we, ultimately if we're led by the Spirit, it's important that we're actually letting him lead us. And so sometimes that's let's just back up a little bit and just reflect. And, and actually what also happens is as we go through life, different circumstances that we're in, different seasons, actually it's helpful to just reflect a little bit and go, actually what how have I built on this foundation? And is that serving me well now? Because it served me well then, but actually maybe this is... There's a different application, do you see? So um, it says in Romans 12, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is an active, ongoing, life of repentance kind of a deal. It's us being humble and teachable every day. Not saying, oh yeah, we've got that. I, I remember um, a long time ago chatting to somebody and they said, Oh, I read the Bible and I got the gist. But actually, I'm all about the prophetic. And I'm like, please don't do that. <laughs> like, be all about the prophetic. That's great. But don't ever not be rooted in Scripture. That's just nuts. People will prophesy all sorts of crazy stuff if they're not actually checking, double-checking, checking it out with people that they trust, people that fear God, making sure. Are we, are we on track? Are we following the plumb line that God's laid down through his word? Yeah, so, um, so we want to live a life where actually we are being transformed, we're being renewed in our thinking and, um, and it's also possible that some worldly culture, believe it or not, it's possible that some worldly culture might have slipped into the way that we think, that it might have even slipped into the church, dum-dum-dum. So that's why it's important that we just look at these things afresh and we're led by the Spirit. So um, anyway, so I, yeah, I've grown up in church, had lots of, of input. But actually, as I was a teenager, and I, 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 I guess I kind of came through into adulthood, I, I loved music and I loved movies and culture, pop culture, modern culture, whatever. Um, and what didn't escape me, you'll be pleased to know, was that there seemed to be an emphasis in society that actually connection with people is important. But actually, it just seemed that the, the highest form of connection, the highest form of intimacy that was being suggested to us, to me, was actually sexual connection. Like, hours and hours of romantic comedies... And episodes of Friends and action movies where the guy ends up getting the girl at the end. Very rare that they're just friends at the end of the movie. Have you noticed? It wasn't just me. No? James Bond movies? Hello? There's this. This kind of message that 's been been suggested more than suggested, enforced, reinforced, and actually, as time has gone on over the years and now we 're in an era where the secular statement of love is love has been made actually it, it 's the same, and actually what we 've now got is a sexualized obsession around relationship, and actually. And it is really rare to come across stories where actually that's not inferred or suggested, or le- you're left wondering, "Oh, maybe there was, maybe there I don't know. Do you just know what I mean?" And um, I mean even to the point that it's quite clumsy, um, So and this sense that actually I get my identity, my identity is given to me through my sex appeal from other people. Or actually the inner desires that I may have that are sexual desires. Do you see what I mean? And so identity gets, it's like this. And it's funny, isn't it? Paul talks in Galatians about who cut in on you? Who tripped you up? And one of the reasons this is so important even in this room here today is because this stuff continues to try to trip us up. It wants to rob us. It wants to just come as a stumbling block. And then, oh man, we've fallen over again. Do you see what I mean? And um, anyway, so, anyway, this message, I'm a teenager, I'm growing up, and this message of um, of, around sex and sexuality and sex is good. And of course, I'm thinking, well, I can relate to this. (laughs) I am a young man. I can relate to this message. Um... And, um, but at the same time, I was walking with Jesus, and so I wanted to ask God, "Well, what do you say about this stuff?" And of course, I'm in church and I'm in youth stuff, and you know, I'm hearing good input, good teaching, and uh, so I'd be in Christian youth meetings, and uh, I'd hear hear enthusiastic youth leaders say, yeah, and it was almost like a like the trying to suggest um, look sex is a really great thing in fact sex is amazing in fact guess what our God he made sex so I'm kind of oh okay so sex is good sex is amazing brilliant okay so I'm on board with this and then obviously the message of and actually sex then is reserved for a man and a woman within a marriage context so I'm like okay Okay, that's great. Well, actually, I can relate to that. I mean, I know Christian couples who are married and they seem happy on the outside and, um, and they seem to like one another and actually I can imagine myself getting married um, and I like beautiful girls and so I could imagine myself with a beautiful girl, I could imagine getting married and then I can have sex. So then sex was the goal. Now, actually, now marriage is the goal because if I'm married, I get to have sex and fulfil this identity part of who I am because I've been told this is part of my identity. You see? And and what I've come to realise is maybe I was missing something. Like maybe this message that the world has been chucking out for so long around actually our identity is in the externals. It's in what we look like. It's in our desirability from others. And, and actually it's, it, it's in what we desire... Actually, maybe we're missing something. Maybe, maybe the highest form of intimacy is not sex. What if the highest form of intimacy is actually worship? That actually our union with Christ, what Emeka just shared of... I am so grateful for what you've done for me. We, week after week, we, we come together and we can take it for granted. You stand unashamed. If you, if you believe in Jesus, if you've given him your life, you stand unashamed, forgiven, unafraid to run into his presence. The creator of the whole world accepts you Loves you, thinks that you're amazing. Isn't that amazing? And we're called into this intimate relationship that the Trinity have. You read, read um, John 14, just read like, the amount of times Jesus is talking about the Father, about intimate relationship, connection. And there's rich, you know, they used to call the Trinity the great dance. It's like this whirlwind of energy and pure, unadulterated love. And we've been redeemed from the curse of sin and death that wanted to pollute the whole thing, wreck the whole thing, put disease into the whole thing. And we've now been called back into, invited into this dance. And this is what our worship is. And it's the most stunning thing, and it's why we get wet eyes when we come together. It's why when we break bread... It's overwhelming. Why is it overwhelming? Because we put Jesus through that. Like, I'm so sorry that I did that to him. And he forgives me and he pulls me so close to himself. It says in Proverbs, doesn't it? There's a love that's closer than that of a brother. What if that is the highest form of intimacy? And what if together, we as a group of people have been set up to exist as a brand new kind of community, a brand new kind of family where every single person gets to experience that love of God. And we express that to one another. So let me just just level with you, okay? Because there's loads of questions around sex and sexuality and I can't cover them all in 15 minutes. Um, But I want to say it is absolutely possible for every single person on the planet to walk righteously and follow God and to take him at his word and to trust him for the gaps. We, um, we as a leadership team, and, um, and me particularly because I'm the one speaking, but we have a conviction um, that... So I'm just going to read this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother And be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus doesn't actually say a whole lot about sex, but what he does do is he quotes Genesis, he quotes that, and then Paul picks it up later in Ephesians and we take our baseline as a church, as a team, that our conviction is that. Therefore, not sex outside marriage, not sex with less people, not sex with more people, not sex when you're engaged, not the night before your wedding, not with people of the same sex, not even sexual activity which isn't full intercourse, literally zip, nothing. See, that might sound really strong and I'm aware that um, in this day and age even saying that can get people in trouble. Um, But I don't think following Jesus is about being popular. It's about being obedient. It's the only thing I know to do. It's, It's what we've given ourselves to. And I've sat with same-sex attracted couples and I've, I've wanted to say to them, because my love for them, I want to say, it's okay. It's okay. Be together the way you want to be together. But I can't. I can't. Because as we said last time, I can't abandon truth for the sake of love. And I can't distort what God intended and misrepresent him. I can't do it. I'm just too small. (laughs) Too not God. I don't get to do that. I have to represent him as well as I possibly can. Now, that said, I will walk hand in hand with anybody, whatever their sexual orientation And trust God for the gaps. Do you know, same-sex attraction is not sin. I just want to put that out there. Same-sex attraction is not sin. And it is possible for God to minister to somebody and for their orientation to adjust. I've seen that. I've heard testimonies of that friends who have walked through that journey and it's amazing and brilliant and in the charismatic world we, we, we love that kind of thing we, and, and actually we believe for that kind of thing in the same way we believe for physical healing okay it, but for some folk actually that doesn't happen They'd ha- they haven't yet experienced that I'm not saying they never will but they haven't experienced that and and do you know what it, what I was saying earlier about the richness of what we what we have together it's absolutely right and appropriate and possible for Christians who are same-sex attracted to walk out a, a celibate life led by a celibate savior who was actually everlasting father <laughs> Never had sex. Never bore physical children. And yet, he's the everlasting father. And it is absolutely possible for any one of us, whether we are, whatever our, wherever we're at, it is possible to live the life that God has called us to. And... Um, I'm looking at notes because some of this is in my notes and some of this is just what I'm feeling to say at the time. Um, I mentioned the three gauges, yeah? We can apply those to money. Can we apply them to this subject? How we are doing in this area of life. Our inner life. Because actually if we're trusting and if we're talking to God about this stuff and we're, we're experiencing intimacy with Him, then actually the outer life starts to work out. It starts to make sense. And um, You know, churches have not always been helpful in this area. Um, we've, what we've done at points is we've set marriage as this goal, this, the most important thing. The youth group that I was in, within the, the couple of years that we were at the top end of that youth group, there were nine weddings. And some of that may have been for good reason, but actually some of that was because there was a fear that actually young people might have sex, and it's better that they get married. And kind of taking that verse that Paul uses, but actually taking it out of context. Because that's not really what Paul was talking about. And so we had young people rushing into marriages that then didn't last. Because we put marriage up there. And you know, I remember we were in a church, we were in, in the church we were in, in Brentwood. And there was a group of people. I, I turned 18 and I was then too old for the youth group. And I wasn't married and so I was put into I was asked if I wanted to go into the singles group. <laughs> now, the sing I mean the singles group was a group that existed for anybody over the age of 18 to like 100 <laughs> who weren't something. Yeah. How nuts is that? I really hope we've learned something. And part of the reason that I want to talk about this is because we've, we've celebrated marriage. We've put marriage up there. We run marriage courses. We, we say marriage is great. Um, and it, it is. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm happily married. I love Leo. I'm super, super grateful that I'm married. It is a gift to me. She is a gift to me. Brilliant. But she's not my other half. Like our language is rubbish on this. I am a whole person without Leo, aren't I? She's not my better half. I know this is just language that just slips in from, but it's, it gets in. And what it does is it tells single people that they're less. At worst, that they're half a person. We feel sorry for single people who are not married. Why? Why? Do you know this stuff that single people get to do that married people can't do? (laughs) They don't get jabbed or kicked or have the duvet nicked from them. They can actually sleep. They get to go places and spend money on stuff that we don't. There's some serious perks to being single, but we don't talk about that. We also are rubbish at actually doing courses on encouraging friendship. Like, what is it to be friends? Because actually, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And there is a richness and a beauty to these relationships that are not ruined and tainted by the, the curse of sin and everything else. So I've got brilliant relationships with women in this church and I treat you as my sisters. And it's so precious to me. I don't view you as a sex object, something to be afraid of. You know, I might just accidentally have sex with you. It's, like, and, and also, then, right, the other extreme, don't get me going the other way, right? I, I'm not suggesting for a minute that there isn't sexual temptation. In fact, if you think about it, married people... You get, out of the 7 billion people on the planet, you get to have sex with one person for the rest of your life. That's it. That's just one more than everybody else. So self-control is essential for all of us. Because I would be lying if I said to you that I'd never felt attracted to somebody who wasn't my wife. Have I ever acted on it? No. Am I accountable to other people to not act on it? Yes. Because that's how I live. It's how you live, isn't it? It's what we do. This is is what we're in. But we are going to miss out on the richest possible fellowship, family, life together if if we have some of those views. Um, I don't know what I've said. <laughs> I really wish I didn't have to stop because we're just getting into some things, aren't we? Um, do you know, Jesus didn't come to um, establish lots of little nuclear families. And there's... Shame that people experience because they're divorced, they're single parents, um, their family situation hasn't worked out the way that they thought it would, um, they've come to faith at a later point in life, they've got non believing spouses, all that sort of stuff. And in church, we don't, we haven't always been great at actually being loving and supporting and helpful in this area. In fact, Jesus didn't always speak very positively about nuclear family. He said, um, If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Holy moly. (laughs) That's going a bit strong. I'm not asking you to stand up and tell me that you hate your, you know, this person, this person, and this person. Um, uh, obviously, that's not what Jesus meant. What he's he's saying is, "Hey, am I your first love? Would you, are you all in for me? Whatever they say, even if they disagree with you, even if they disagree with me, are you still all in? That's what he, that's what he's saying." But then when, Jesus is, um, when someone comes to Jesus and says, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside, they're looking for you, Jesus says, well, who are my mother and brothers? You see, Jesus didn't come to establish a load of little nuclear families. What Jesus actually came to do was to create a brand new one. One great big one. And what we get to do it says this in 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God. And what I'm provoking us, hopefully, <laughs> what I'm trying to provoke us in is I want us to look again at this love that we've been given. There is an appropriate context for sexual love. I get that. And I get that as adult beings, we are sexual beings. I get that. But we are first and foremost spirit beings. And we live from our spirit, and our spirit tells our bodies, communicates to our bodies, rebukes our bodies at times. And that includes our sexuality. The world would say, You're a sexual being that has a body well that's not what God says and do you know I've experienced some of the most stunning moments of intimacy with people in life and actually the world does too think of sport think of a football team they have trust in one another yeah yeah Because actually those three gauges are for every legitimate relationship we have. Every single one. Whether it's you and me. Whether it's um, me and my children. Whether it's me and my dentist. Those three gauges still exist. I'm going to trust him or her, the dentist. (laughs) There's some communication. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And there's, a, there's an appropriate level of intimacy between us. Thank you very much. Do you see what I mean? So every single... We've got those three gauges going on. And a football team, they have that thing. They have all three gauges. They have trust in one another. Who's going to do what, where, when, how? Yeah, And they have um, a communication between each other. And actually, you see them celebrate when they score a goal. There's mostly appropriate forms of, of affection that they then show for one another. Yeah? Music is the same. Um, we had the joy um, on Thursday night of um, getting to go and see Bruce Springsteen at Hyde Park. I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan, so it meant a huge amount to us. There is something that a band like that does on stage with one another that Bruce on his own can't do without the E Street Band. There's a, and so there's, there's trust between each other, there's communication between each other, but then there is something else that happens that transcends the number of people on the stage. It's bigger than that. And somehow they can wrap 65,000 people into this world where you're left thinking, I'm mates with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And you're not at all. I've never met him. But they have this ability to cause you to feel it. It's other than just 10 people on a stage making a good sound. And we get that on steroids as a church. That's the point. Because the Holy Spirit comes, Pentecost, poured out. We then get that massively, massively, massively more. Because we get propelled into this adventure on this theme park ride in this roller coaster together, and so I've had moments with 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 people. So my brother's here, right, I'm at the back. What me and my brother and my dad share with being with my mum in her final moment is so precious and so intimate. Do you see? And I've been privileged to walk with friends, with, with people in their darkest moments, and you will have done this, their darkest day. And it is a privilege. And you get to be the light when somebody else is going through a dark time. And it's the beauty that church is that fellowship is and it's the richest thing and what it means is that anybody whatever their orientation whether they are married whether they are single whether they are married and going through health issues which means there's no sex anyway whether they're widows whether they're divorced whoever they are whatever they are whatever abuses they've been through they can come into something that is called the body of Christ. Something where they get to experience the love of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what we're about. And um, I'm probably going to talk about this subject again um, but can we just stand? Because I've got to land this and honour our children's workers. And I know there might be questions for you. And I know there might be things that you're just kind of turning over in your mind. What about this? What about that? Um, that's fine. Um, but let's just hold them really lightly as we trust, trust Jesus. Um, and uh, I want to just break off any shame for anybody that they're feeling as we've heard testified this morning God does amazing things and he restores people and if you know that you've let something slip in this area and this morning you want to say Jesus I want to make you my first love again and I want to live righteously and appropriately in every single relationship that I'm in and I just want to break off shame. As you, as you make your apology now before him, as you repent, you know there's forgiveness, there's, 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 there's being forgiven, and there's repentance, which means we turn away from it. We walk the other way. And actually, what we get to do as church is help one another. Walk in purity. so Lord I want to thank you that you offer forgiveness to every single one of us who asks for it that where our hearts are contrite before you you pour forgiveness in in fact you pour forgiveness in faster than we can ask for it you're that good you're that gracious And Lord, where we this morning have talked about what does it look like for us to raise the bar in this area of our lives. Lord, where we are choosing to slay a a giant, perhaps. Lord, I want to thank you that you've poured your spirit into us so that we no longer have to be afraid. You've poured your spirit into us so that we can experience your love, your power, and self-control so we don't even have to muster this up ourselves we get to trust you for these things and I thank you that it's entirely rooted in you in our affection for you in our walk with you the fact that you want to take us by the hand you're not far off you're not aloof you're right here with us helping us navigate this stuff in our lives and in our church so thank you Jesus Restore to us what it is to know you as our first love. And help us in these areas. Help us develop relationships where we are honest with one another. Lord, where there's triplets happening around this church, where we're taking this stuff seriously. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're with us in the midst where we meet together. And I want to thank you that there is victory for us in these areas of life. There is victory for each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Oh, we are done. If you are a parent and, you can go and um, you've come with children this morning and they're in children's work, please go and get them. As Ruth said, that would really help. Um, otherwise, um, have a great week. Uh, we will see you next Sunday. Um, God bless you. Wow.